Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the 4Q podcast. Always asking those four questions of reflecting, redefining, redesigning and realigning because that's our formula to getting to the root of everything, right? So this episode, I've got Chris from Inside Out, Chris, the podcast. Um, she's a mom, she's a podcast host, like a business owner, just an amazing all-round person. And I think there's so many gems in this episode that I'd love for you to hear about her experience of her family and, you know, having a strange relationship with her dad and the narratives around a divorced family, the narratives around having daddy issues, like that was such a thing people used to say and, you know, feeling like there's all these family expectations around having relationships with our parents and all of that. And I just think that's so relatable. I, you know, I often hear that come up so much. So I really want to share that with you and, and share this experience. Chris was so open and so honest and so beautiful about it. So I really hope you love this one. I can't wait for you to hear it. So no more from me. Let's just jump in. And finally as well, if you're still loving this episode and loving this content and you want to go deep on this 4R formula together, please know that we've got our retreats coming up. We have our online course and we do have some one-on-one spots available now. So please know that you can work with us in any which way. So let's jump into the 4Q podcast. Hey, I'm Sheena Shuey. I'm a registered social worker and host of the 4Q podcast. I'm passionate about normalizing, not pathologizing life. And that's not easy. So each episode, I have amazing guests on to share the messy, beautiful ups and downs of life in four key questions with tips and tricks along the way. There are moments in life where you can embrace your story and understand that it's okay not to feel okay sometimes. So let's get into it. This is the 4Q Podcast. Hey, Chris, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me tonight. (laughs) Hello, thank you so much for having me. I am absolutely wrapped to be here. Oh, thank you so much. You know, um, I'm so happy to join a fellow podcaster in this, you know, podcasting journey with me. And you've had some amazing guests and I really love your message and all of that. So I'm really happy to have you on. And for those of you who uh, tune into the podcast, you know that we usually record these and, and we do it in the morning, but mum life for Chris and I, both in the evenings, got to make it work, that business hustle sometimes. It's like we set these clear boundaries, but every now and again, we just have to tweak it just a little bit. <laughs> so we're doing this tonight. And my I personally am curious if we're going to bring a different energy in the evening compared to like you know, caffeinated in the morning. So, <laughs> so, so Chris, I guess before we go any further, let's start with the four, the first R of our four R formula, which is reflect. So tell us like who you are and what, you know, what are your titles, your mum life? Like tell us all about who Chris is. 
Okay, so obviously I am Chris. I have my own podcast, which is Inside Out with Chris. Um, I started that over 12 months ago, just before my beautiful little girl came into the world, Lola, who is almost one, one next Thursday. I cannot believe it. Um, but I started the podcast because um, a short 18 months prior to Lola coming into this world, I felt like I was lacking a lot of purpose and a lot of drive. Um, so I had had my son, Jesse. So I have two children, um, Lola and Jesse. And I also have two stepdaughters, Raquel and Alexis. They are school age. So 11, almost 11, sorry, and nine years old. And my life has been mum mode, fully chaotic, really crazy. And when I brought my son into the world and then again my daughter when I was pregnant with her I'm like this whole stay-at-home mum life just isn't for me I own two businesses with my husband who he took the reins of because you know having babies it's like well they're naturally coming from you so naturally you're going to be at home with them and you know for the first few months of their life um, we'll introduce daycare and things later on which we had planned to do but that time at home with them I was gobsmacked at how bored I was and how much I didn't want to be with them um, I love my kids I love being at home with them I love being present with them and watching them grow and learn anyone that knows me knows I'm absolutely obsessed with them but I cannot stand building train tracks I cannot stand doing <laughs> I have podcasts in my um, headphones when I'm at the park because I'm like two things at once I can learn and I can play like I am go 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 that's how I've always been and I think that when I started that's that's my reason for starting my podcast is I just needed something more I wanted to share I wanted to empower and I wanted to educate and I wanted to do that on a bigger scale than what I could do in the capacity of you know meeting people in everyday life um so that's why I started the podcast and in 12 months I have grown that and it is almost at over you know 10,000 downloads which I'm really proud to say I'm 50 episodes deep I absolutely love my everyday work um but yeah other than that I'm with my babies I'm running around after with after school sports with my stepdaughters I am a wife to my husband Steve we've been together for four years now and we have created a really beautiful life Amazing. Amazing. Well, I love all of that. And I also love touching on, I guess, just quickly the fact that every mum's motherhood journey is so different. You know, like um, I've met, I, you know, I personally have friends who are exactly like you. Go, 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 go. Had a baby. And it's, you know, you would never think for them to not be like the career driven person. And they're like, actually, I'm taking a break. I've had friends who are the opposite, who, you know, you would, who, who really have that like natural, slow paced person. And then as soon as they have a kid, they're like, I can't wait to balance it all and go back to work and stuff. So it's, it's so interesting and just so validating that we all have different experiences and balance and stuff like that like I'm a working mum myself like I work three days a week and have my own business and then raising a toddler like chaos <laughs> and so yeah you know um we all have to figure out what our own balance is and what life feels right for us and looks like and I think that's so validating because I think sometimes there is this expectation of like it to be calm and like oh, I'm gonna love the first year of being at home and connecting and it's like well no it's, it's not that easy it's not that like 
easy to just slip into pre-motherhood to post-motherhood. So let's validate the whole spectrum of experiences that that is, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. And again, um, congratulations on getting to 10,000 listens. That's amazing in such a short amount mm -hmm. of time. So well done. I think that's like a, a good reflection of like the content that you're bringing, right? Like people listen to things that they can relate to or love or an energy. It's got like an energetic pull to it. So congratulations on that. Thank you. It has, you know, when I reflected on it and I thought, you know, in, you get stuck in the comparisonitis of what other people are doing and things like that. And it, it is, is really hard in this podcast world because, as I said earlier when we before we hit record, it is quite a busy market. It's quite flooded. There's a lot of people starting podcasts. But, you know, I've got a message and I've got a mission and I really want to support, empower and inspire women as much as I can with any possible way that I can. Um, and I am really proud of that number, I think, for someone that had a newborn for the majority of that, <laughs> was navigating two kids under two. I had two stepchildren 50% of the time. Like, it has been busy, at <laughs> least. So, yeah, I'm really proud of that. Amazing, amazing. Well, you should. And again, like obviously we always talk about not putting it on a number, but at the same time, it's okay to celebrate when we hit a bloody big milestone. So again, congratulations <laughs> on that. I think that's like a good accomplishment. And I guess that'll lead us to our next question of just that redefine, because the person that Chris is, who has the ambition to you know, go start a podcast when you've got, you when you're pregnant, like, you know, yeah. all of those sorts of things like that. I'm interested to hear how the Chris that's in front of me now became that person and one of your experiences that led to that. So the second part of our 4R formula, so we've got reflect and then redefine. What's a, a hard moment that's changed things for you? So maybe something that's redefined, like a new perspective or meaning in the way that you see life. What was that? you I think upon reflection of this question I didn't consider this my redefining moment until I've recently been asked this question right and I suppose I had the ability to go back and reflect on what the steps were after this and and really understand who, why I am the way I am, who I was before I was this version of myself and who that person was shaped by. So to take you back a little bit, um, when I was in year three, so year three, I believe I would have been eight years old, my parents separated. Now I went to a school and back then it wasn't one in three Australian families divorced. That's today's average rate of families that are divorced back then it I don't even know what the number was I, it would have been like one in ten or something because I was the only child in my entire year that had a divorced family and that was up until year seven so I didn't have anyone to share the experience of having a split household with I didn't have anyone to share the experience of having a father completely disconnect and remove himself from my life for 12 months after separating from my mum I didn't have anyone to talk about you know the fact my mum was a solo parent she was a single mum working three jobs to provide for us um and that we were suddenly half a family. It really felt like half a family because everyone else in my life had two parents and birthday parties, Christmases, all of these events in our little eight-year-old lives that were celebrated were moments of me noticing that I didn't have a second parent there. Now, 
later in life, my dad did come back into my life. When he did separate from us for that, you know, that first 12 months, he had gone to go and find himself and do whatever journey he needed to do for him in that time. As an adult, I kind of go, I wish I was that selfish. I wish I could drop my kids and just go because if I had that sort of selfishness, it would make life a lot easier. So I respect that that's what he needed to go and find who he needed to be. Um, he was never a bad man. He was never, you know, you, you hear about all of these traumatic experiences children go through and I'm so grateful and so blessed that I didn't experience alcoholism, sexual abuse, all these horrific things. Um, but I always knew from when I was eight years old and I remember thinking it because I remember the Duna cover I had when I looked in the mirror when I thought this thought. I love my dad, but I don't like him. Why does everyone want me to like him? And everything that happened from then on forward through my teenage years, I had this person that I was told that I had to be connected to. He was my father. I have to love him. I have to be with him. I have to go there every second weekend. He only wanted, us, wanted me every second weekend. He didn't want me any more than that or less than that. But that was enough for him. That was his limit. He'd drop us back early. He'd pick us up late, that sort of thing. Didn't come to school sports, didn't come to assemblies, you know, all that sort of jazz. Um, so I really noticed a significant difference between, hey, mum never missed a single thing, even though she worked three jobs and didn't sleep, but dad couldn't, you know, get out of work to make it to whatever. Um, and I think that really shaped me in those late, childhood years so 11 and 12 up until early teenagehood where I then decided from early teens that I would label it I have daddy issues I have depression because I have daddy issues I binge eat because I have daddy issues I binge drink because I have daddy issues um, I felt like I needed to validate myself and my worth for a really really long time um, up until early adulthood as well um, and that really had a massive impact on me and who who I am and who I am now because I have built resilience and strength I suppose from my deepest darkest moments you know sitting down to a liter bottle of vodka as a 16 year old hiding from my mom just hoping that I could just go to sleep I just didn't want to wake up um I had some really frightening moments in my teenage years because at the end of the day I just wanted to be loved and that all stemmed from the disconnection of my relationship with my father and as an adult, I have learned and grown, and I think that we'll expand on this a little more in the later points that we have to discuss. But as an adult, I made the decision to change the narrative on what the definition of family is because I loved the idea of a father. I loved the idea of a man to walk me down the aisle, but my dad didn't walk me down the aisle two years ago. He was there, but I didn't let him. I didn't want him to hand me to someone else. He didn't deserve that in my eyes, you know, and that's really hard to say. I couldn't say that to him, but that's really hard to say out loud. I just physically couldn't have him arm in arm with me to walk me down that aisle. Um, and I needed to change that narrative. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that experience. I think that definitely there'll be listeners who can relate to that. You know, um, it's funny that... I actually went to a public school 
and a really shitty public school. So I didn't go to a Catholic school and I was actually one of the only um, people who had parents together. So wow. I think we went to school around the same time, but it's just interesting how different demographics can have different experiences and particularly like religious families, you know, public yeah. school isn't the, you know, like it's a whole different experience. So, um, yeah. and that's not to say my relation, my parents' relationship was healthy by any means, <laughs> just because they were together. Um, I created a fantasy was that, that, that was, but um we can get to that in another episode. But, um, but yeah, but I guess the other thing I want to validate for you, Chris, and I guess my, my other listeners listening, and this comes up a lot in, in my one-on-one coaching that I do with people in therapy a lot, is like, oh, you know, I didn't get sexually abused. I didn't have an alcoholic parent. Like, I just, I don't have trauma, but all this bad stuff happened. And it's like, actually, trauma isn't what's happened to you. It's how it affects you. So Mm -hmm. if you don't get emotionally validated as a child, that's emotional neglect, that's trauma. And it's hard to hear that the first time because I think people have this big thing about the T, the big T, trauma. But Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you what, you know, and people who've been following me on Instagram will know, I guess I was very hesitant about talking about trauma on my Instagram page because people don't relate to it. They're like, oh, I've got anxiety and depression. I don't have trauma. But the reality is every single person on this planet will experiencing something shitty that makes them feel alone, that makes them feel not good enough, that makes them feel like their worth is tied to something external, whether it's appearance, achievement, whatever. Those experiences, when we have them as a child, that's trauma, right? Because as adults, we can go, oh, like we can untangle that stuff. We can like be logical, but children just have to make sense of the world on their own. And because of that, mm-hmm. they internalize so much. Like, like you as a child, you wouldn't have been able to tell, oh, dad's just got to sort his shit out. It would have been there's something wrong with me. Like, why isn't he here for me? Why isn't he here? Like children just internalize that. So I think, you, thank you for sharing that because I think, yeah, there'll be people out there who, who are saying like, do I have trauma? Do I not have trauma? Like we know that uh, having, coming from a divorced household, is it experience of trauma? Because, you know, you can have two really happy, healthy parents, two really happy, healthy places, but it's still this thing of like, had this got to do with me? If I behaved better, would this have happened? Do they still love me? Like, am I good enough? Mm. All that stuff. You know, it's just part of growing up and we all have mm. to go through shit. So don't ever feel alone in that. I think that's the the thing. So thank you for that. So I guess going to the redesign, I guess you spoke about there were a lot of hard moments, I guess, um, because of the situation with your dad and as a teenager, I think we've all been there where it's like you see the friends who've binge drinking or whether it's us ourselves binge drinking, doing all of that. How did you go from like sort of maybe doing unhealthy coping mechanisms to sort of what tools did you use to get, I guess, make your life better? Like you're saying, like change the narrative. Like if there's something that's got to change for us to even seek help or know that there is a narrative that we need to change. So what was that for you that like, what things helped you redesign your life sort of out of that? 
Yeah, so look, I if I think back to between 16 to 18, that time was probably the worst where I was so up and down. I was um, on antidepressants and I was overweight. I was unhappy. I was mixing with toxic environments. I had a really awful, and sorry, mum, I know you'll listen to this episode, and I had a really awful um relationship with my mom and it was all at my own doing my mom gave me nothing but love and support and um I basically had to sit in my shit to to climb out of it I basically had to hit rock bottom hit that big black deep hole and crawl back out of it now I didn't have the self-awareness that I have now and the tools in my mental toolbox that I have now as an adult and a mother and a parent and all of the work that I've done since then, you know, another decade later, I'm 29 years old now. So now I'm so self-aware that when my father and I recently re-disconnected, <laughs> if that's a word, re-disconnected, we almost got back together. Um, when I fell pregnant, I thought I don't want to take away my dad's right to be a grandparent. I have to reconnect. So I did. I reached out. I reconnected. Um, it was a very short reconnection, a couple of years. He was at my wedding, as I mentioned earlier, um, until my daughter was born, Lola, so my second, and I just couldn't do it. I was There was too much resentment from, from me. There was too much uh, trauma from the past from me. I just couldn't stay happy in that relationship. And I'm so self-aware and I've done so much work that I reflected on this and I went, I don't have to. I love the idea of this man. I don't like, I don't want this man in my life. This is not what life's about. I shouldn't be waking up feeling worried that I have to speak to him or see him that day. I shouldn't want to avoid him. I shouldn't want to not want to take his call. If I don't want someone in my life, they don't have to be there. This, you get one life. We have that choice. Just because someone is of bloodline, just because someone procreated with our mother, 30 years ago doesn't mean that we have to have a relationship with them that person and I changed the narrative now as a late teen I remember trying to disconnect from this relationship and I grew up in Newcastle New South Wales I have been here my entire life and it hasn't just been me it is my great great great-grandparents that have all grown up here so I have a lot of family in this area and everyone would say the same thing he but he's your dad but he's your dad you have to love him he you can't not have him in your life he's your father he's their pop he's their grandfather and it's almost like that new term well not new I'm sure it's not new but it's new to me toxic positivity where people are saying something that's supposed to make us feel better and supposed to feel nice but instead it's causing us more pain like I've just told you that being in this man's presence causes me to be triggered by my past traumas and you're saying, but I have to have him in my life. That's not helping me. You know, you're not giving me what I need right now. And I think as an now as a mother and all these years later, the tools that I have in my mental toolbox being I've spoken to psychologists, I have a kinesiologist, I journal, I... Um, use affirmations daily I meditate I listen to all sorts of podcasts I'm constantly learning and teaching myself new practices anything that I can do to develop as a human and evolve and expand I am doing um me 10 years ago wasn't doing that me 10 years ago didn't have the knowledge I have now um but how I got through it then to answer the question would have been leaning on my mum 
for support because she was the only person who never spoke a bad word about my father. She only said he loves you and he's doing the best job he can. And that got me through that period um, because I felt like I was grieving a loss almost. Does that make sense? I was grieving. um, He hadn't died, but I constantly felt like I was grieving him. And even when we disconnected recently, I think it was Lola's one. So so was a couple of weeks old when I put my hands in the air and I just said, I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, you're trying so hard. I know you want this, but I can't do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, yeah, was able to just really understand how far I've come to redesign that narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess, um, again, thank you so much for sharing. I just so appreciate the honesty and and all of it, you know. Um, and I think, again, it's like redefining grief and loss. You know, I think a lot of people so- associate grief with, again, like you were saying, like somebody passing. But grief is, grief is any time you have an expectation about how something's going to be and it doesn't turn out that way. So mm. grief can be when you get a divorce, Nobody plans on ever getting a divorce, but it's like grieving that whole, I thought I was going to have the white picket fence and be married forever, and now I have to have this loss. Grief can mm. be thinking that you're going to have a career in a certain area and then finding out, actually, I can't do that for one reason or another. Or, you know, And grief can be when you love someone so much, but you choose to set a boundary that you just can't have them in your life. And, you, and that's a loss because we all have this idea like the movies, TV, it all paints out like what a dad's supposed to be. And especially when you've had those experiences of like all your other friends having their de- mums and dads around and all of that, like it really emphasises like this, again, this sort of um, this definition of what a family looks like, like you say, a dad mm-hmm. looks like. And so grief is letting go of these definitions that are just aren't helpful to us. Like how is how was that? If if there was a, a you know a TV show like Neighbours or something <laughs> at that time that would have had divorced mum and dad, how much could that have changed the narrative for all the other kids having a divorced mum and dad as well? You know, like that's mm. so powerful nowadays. You know, as a person of colour, I love seeing like TV shows that have like actually diversity in it like it's like oh hey I'm a real person I'm not just the person at the quickie mart like people like mm. me have an Australian accent drink alcohol like it's you know <laughs> like it's but that's the thing like it's crushing these stereotypes because when mm-hmm. we have these such rigid ideas of what a family looks like what a dad looks like and can be so damaging to when you don't have that so it's like yeah. As an adult, just undoing all that shit and <laughs> going through the dream. <laughs> totally. And I think when I became a mother, it really allowed me to firstly unlearn a lot of old practices that have been ingrained to me through my younger years and that whole inner child thing. I think I learned a lot in my first couple of years of having my son. And what I think my biggest learning was is I could not comprehend how my dad because I have a husband that is so present with his children and a husband that 
is the man that takes them and does everything all weekend long without complaining and absolutely adores his kids. And when he walks through the door at night, his kids run up to him and tackle him over and he plays with them until they go to bed. He'll put them to bed. Like my dad would get home from work, be grouchy as fuck because he worked 12 hours, walk in the door, be cranky. And like, we, you know, I remember cuddling him and then my kinesiologist actually brought this memory up. I hadn't thought of it in a really long time, but she brought this up for me and she, and it was me knowing that that hug meant it was time for me to go to bed. As soon mm. as he got home, hug, we go to bed because it's too chaotic, it's too loud, he wants peace and quiet. And that was just the routine. I don't have that in my home. My husband isn't like that. So for me as a parent and marrying someone that's the opposite to that, it really brought up a lot for me. And then having this man as my children's grandfather in their life, I'm like, no, you don't get to come in and be fun parent now. You don't get to have that relationship. You didn't want me when I was their age. You didn't do those things. And, you know, it's really hard because he's not a bad man and I know he genuinely loves me. I do know that. I'll always know that. And it's really sad that this is how it's had to end. Um, but I, this was consuming for me and I had to make a call at some point. And I've, ever since I've been not consumed by it. So I know I made the right decision for me and my family. Um, and I wish him all the best. I hope he, you know, lives a healthy and happy life. But I just couldn't let go. And that's my own healing and my own shit I need to go, you know, keep working on. Um, but I know that I just need to let it go. Yeah, yeah. And what a journey that must have been. And, like, it sounds like your mum is an amazing person. Like you say, like, she never said anything bad and she was the reason that you were sort of able to get out of that dark place. And I'm sure, like, you know, afterwards there would have been some things. But I think that's why it's so important to understand the importance of having just one person. You know, um, again, when, when I work with people one-on-one, I always sort of ask, like, who is someone that you can be 100% yourself with? Like, you can actually say, this is pissing me off or this made me sad today or, you know, I find that this person's triggering me or, you know, like, you can have the good stuff but the bad stuff with too. Like, and, and I think sometimes, again, like, media makes it out like, oh, we're meant to have 10 girlfriends that we tell, tell all our deepest, darkest secrets to and it's like... People need to earn that story, as Brene Brown says, mm, right? Mm. Like you Total. don't, you have maybe two, three, one even person in your life, but the power of having one person who can you can completely be yourself with and completely see you and hear your story. Like, yes, of course, you can come to therapy, you can work with the therapist, you can see a coach, but just that one loving connection makes such a big difference. So um, it's amazing that you had that relationship with your mum. Like um, it's great that, you know, you had that to sort of get you through those times, you know. Look, if I'm honest, getting me through those times in the earlier years, we only just got through. I I won't lie, it was a really hard time for our relationship. I didn't like her. I didn't want to be around her. I treated her really poorly. And I know that a lot of mums with teenage children might be <laughs> in this right now listening, going, my child hates me. And, you know, mum made the comment on the phone today because I was saying how I'm very overprotective of my daughter Lola and how she's turning one and we co-sleep. And mum's like, get her out of your bed. You don't need to be co-sleeping anymore. 
like she's my child I'll do what I want she goes yeah well she's gonna hate you eventually one day anyway so don't worry about it I was like no my parenting won't allow my child to hate them (laughs) (laughs) and I was like and she goes oh a bit of judgment there and um I was like well you know we had such a rough time in her parenting and motherhood journey and my being her daughter I didn't like her and she stuck stuck with me and if anyone has teenage daughters that are listening and they're giving you grief right now do not give up there's always a light at the end of the tunnel one day they're going to be an adult one day they're going to get married one day they're going to you know have a daughter of their own and they will love you and appreciate you but you've just got to get there so just don't walk away from them because the parent that walks away is the parent that lets them down girlfriend preaching to the choir (laughs) Um, I I was like such a loose unit as a teenager that, um, yeah, like, um, yeah, my mum, bless her cotton socks, like just <laughs> you kind of go, how did you survive that and what's coming for me? And you sort of think to yourself like, okay, I'm the cycle breaker. Like I'm going to do all the healing so that when our kids are teenagers, right, we're going to be like, yep, all good. But I actually think at least we've got the smarts to be like, I can tell if you're going to sneak out. I can tell if there's bottles in your bag. I can tell, like, you know, even like that's a normal part of teenage years, I think, is just the experimenting with stuff. But I think you're so right. It's like sticking it out. It's hard. It's hard. So, but, you know, the joys of what we have to look forward to in motherhood, right? Um, Right. I'm looking forward to being a grandparent already because I'm like, (laughs) how good is it going to be when you're a grandparent? Like, here, kids, have the iPad for as long as you want. Have the chocolates, Mm. have the this. Like, me trying to be responsible is like, oh, you know, that's only for the grandparents' house. Like, I don't have the tap-out devices, right? Like, when I need to tap out, I don't have that. (laughs) So I can't wait to be a grandparent and just be like, whatever goes. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, And I guess that leads us to, I guess, our our final um, R of the 4R formula, you know, in our 4Q podcast. So then we've got reflect, redefine, redesign, and then realign. And, And realign is really all about like after going through this journey and you know what is life like for you now and I know you touched on it already but what do you do to keep things like cool and calm and connected and how do you stop those sort of um I guess those negative you know those those negative experiences we can heal them but we still can get triggered sometimes right there's still going to be moments on our bad days we haven't slept or whatever that they can kind of creep in a little bit so how do you stay aligned and sort of stop maybe some of those not so good experiences of life creeping back in I think the most important thing for me has been learning and working on creating healthy boundaries for myself for my family and really really just owning those boundaries and honoring them um because I think whilst we can, you know, we can put pen to paper and say, hey, I'm going to create A, B, C, D as my boundary, you need to honour it. You need to respect it. And if somebody doesn't fit within that boundary or if something happens and you feel triggered and you feel like, you know, someone in your life is being and sharing that toxic positivity towards you, you need to go, hey, this isn't honouring my boundary by allowing this. 
because what we allow will continue, right? So you have to put, you are in control of your own life. Our values are our values. Our relationships are our relationships. We have control. So owning that control, don't allow anyone else to control or dictate our life if it's affecting us in some way that hurts us, that triggers us, that causes us any anxiety or fret or fears. Um, and taking responsibility for that has been, I suppose, the biggest factor in how I have reshaped who I am um, and how I'm living contently and really happily. Um, you know, taking no shit, basically. <laughs> taking no shit, honouring myself doing what I think is best for my family. And if someone doesn't like that, well, good for you, you know, good for you. I, I, your opinion is not val valid to me. It doesn't, I have no value in my mindset for your opinion if I feel like it's not doing good for my family or myself um, because I've cared for a long time, especially with the whole disconnection of my father thing. I cared what other people thought. I cared how it looked to people. I cared of judgment. I cared at my wedding, if my dad wasn't there, then I'll have questions that I have to answer. I don't want to answer the questions. So it's easier if he's there. I was so fearful of other people and their expectations of me and their social and cultural conditioning of me having my father and my mother both present at my wedding um that I allow those opinions and expectations to take control of what I truly wanted and I knew I, I feel now and I know that my um my father won't listen to this podcast so I'm saying this freely and openly with the hopes that he doesn't because I, I hate hurting anyone's feelings I'm someone that likes to is a people pleaser and I hate to hurt people um, but I feel now when I decided to reconnect, I was doing it from a place of fear, not from a place of my true desire. Mm -hmm. And I know that now. So now when I make decisions, now when I, you know, make changes in my lifestyle or I cut people from my life, I'm doing so with intention and doing so with the understanding that, that these people um, these family members, you know, changing the narrative on, on what family means, it's because it doesn't align or serve with my life anymore. And I do it from a kind place, a compassionate and empathetic place, not from a place of fear or judgment or nastiness. If that makes, does that make sense? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, um, again, I'm always bringing it back to my Instagram because that's where I just kind of hang out. That's my main kind of social platform. Um, but some of you would have seen, I recently shared one of Oprah's um, videos and I think she was talking to Brene Brown in the interview around the fact that it's like, you can love a person and no law and you know ev and miss them every single day but no longer have them in your life and that's yeah you know and there there are people out there whether it's a parent they've had to do that to a sibling they've had to do that to you know some people have had to let go of children who are abusive even you know that's hard to let those people go knowing that you love them but they just can't be in your life whether it's just mm. for now, whether it's mm. just forever, whatever that whatever that looks like, and that's okay. Yeah. That's totally okay. 
So um, I think that's a really powerful thing to share. And I so appreciate, yeah, bringing, bringing your, your, all of you. I know, it, I know how it's so not easy to just show up with all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, <laughs> and not sort of worry, but I'm, I'm pretty sure your dad's not going to listen to some chick in Queensland, <laughs> um, <laughs> some well, therapist in Queensland, know. but even if he does, you're speaking your truth. If people, yeah. you know, your truth is your truth, right? Your experience right. is your experience. And even if they say, I didn't mean it that way, well, sorry, that's just how I feel. <laughs> so, mm. so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th- and I think, you know, I think my father will always know that I love him. And sadly, our values have never aligned. Sadly, we've never had that connection. And I don't know whether that's because from childhood that we weren't connected and he made choices that impacted that um, or whether we just truly weren't meant to be a part of each other's lives. What I do know is that I'm happier without the energy and the toxicity that consumes me when I have that relationship. And I'm sure that he's happier in return as well. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I think from a, from a psychological perspective, like a spiritual perspective, all of those things, I think the universe is a very mysterious place and who knows how that experience shaped your life for the better, even, you know, maybe you chose a, maybe you chose a partner who's so attentive because you're so conscious of that. It may be, you know, if you weren't conscious of that, maybe you wouldn't have picked someone who's so attentive. That that wouldn't be on your radar to pick up someone who's so attentive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's amazing how sometimes these experiences make us awake to what we want, you know, mm. by experiencing mm. what we don't want. It's sucky as it is to go through it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, look, it's so, so sucky. But hey how can we evolve how can we grow if we don't learn and rediscover and and go through pain to move through the pain right yeah so so again Chris before we finish up thank you so much I'm like I feel so blessed that you came on and bring your full self and your full energy and for both of us to do this at night you know, life. <laughs> um I'm, I'm wondering, to, for our audience, where can they find you if they want to listen to your podcast, if they want to find you on socials? Like, where do you hang out? What do you do? Where, like, where can they find you? Yeah, so to listen to my podcast where I've got 47 amazing episodes, 48 coming next week, um, Inside Out with Chris on both Apple and Spotify, or if you don't have either of those, you can go to www.insideoutwithchris.com.au um, where all my podcasts are on my website. Oh, sorry, lost the camera there. Um, <laughs> or you can jump over to my Instagram, which has all of those links, which is just at inside out with chris k-r-i-s and you will find me there awesome and of course i'll put all the links in the description below so you can just click away and find chris super easy thank you again and i guess i'll i'll speak to you next time yes thank you so much for having me it was an absolute honor to be on your podcast and i so so appreciate your time awesome all right thanks chris bye